0: truth from today is going to come from this verse. And let's read it together. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. The Word of God says... "I'll oh, hold on. I'll give you a minute to get there. <laughs> Ready, set, go. No. Uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. The Word of God says, Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure... Pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, withal it shall be measured to you again. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth that we find in this verse. Help us to internalize it, to understand it, to practice it, so that we can be blessed and bless those around us. We pray in Jesus' name amen and you can be seated what a fantastic verse i asked you a question this morning how do you get what you need we all need things human flourishing requires needs to be met matter of fact there's seven areas i believe where We have to have our needs met in order to have a a life that God intends us to have. The first is we have physical needs. We need to eat. We need to drink. We need to sleep. We have health needs. You go without any one of those three and you're already in trouble, aren't you? Then we have mental needs. Our brain needs things. We have emotional needs. We have feelings, not just that we experience, but is life worth living without things like love? They, they talk about in Russia many years ago, the babies in this one orphanage kept dying. And they didn't know why the babies were dying. There was no medical reason why they were dying. And one nurse had a heart for the children, and she knew they were all going to die, so she would go in. She began going in every day and trying to love on each child just a little bit. And the baby stopped dying. And they did some studies on that and found out a child without physical touch and affection cannot survive. Think about that. And that doesn't change much as we get older. The the need to be loved and those things. What about spiritual needs? We've got to have our spiritual needs met if we're going to have a flourishing life what about relational needs friends are a good thing to have you know family that you get along with is a good thing to have what about financial needs you got to have the money to pay for shelter and food and all of these things and then missional needs what does that have to do with you have to have a purpose why are you here why are you breathing why are you alive what are your goals what are your ambitions what do you intend to do And really, we have needs in all of these seven areas. And to the extent that you're getting your needs met in these areas is really going to determine how you feel about your life. I suspicion that somebody listening feels very badly about their life. I've counseled many people over the years that didn't even think life was worth living anymore. People that have tried to kill themselves. They just got to the place where life's not worth living. People can get to that place. Everybody in the room uh, and everybody under the sound of my voice has this feeling about how you are doing in this life. Sometimes you feel pretty good about it. Sometimes you feel pretty lousy about it. Sometimes you feel stuck and you know your needs aren't being met in a certain area and you've tried to, to figure this out and no matter what you do, it doesn't seem to work. That's a pretty discouraging feeling, isn't it? The question is, how do we get our needs met in these areas? There are three carnal ways that we go about trying to get our needs met, and all it does is cause pain and suffering. The first is domination. I will take what I need, and if I have to, I'll take it from you. I will demand it. I will demand love. I will demand respect. I will demand But how long does that work? Have you ever had somebody domineering in your life that just demanded their needs to be met? Does that make you say, oh, let me help you? No. And ultimately, they end up sabotaging themselves by demanding what they feel like they need. The second carnal method of acquisition is manipulation. Some people know they're not strong enough to demand it, so they'll try to manipulate people to do it always a scheme, always a plan, always something going on in the background, trying to work this angle and do this and get so-and-so to do this and get someone to do that. And once again, a a very destructive and self-defeating way to try to get what you need. Domination's not how you get what you need. Manipulation's not how you get what you need. A third way is accusation. Accusation. You ever heard someone say, you don't love me. Well, that makes me want to love you, right? A child says, you don't trust me, to the parent. And the right answer is, you're right, I don't. Not, you know, a 12-year-old says, you don't trust me, and the parent's like, oh no, I trust you. And then my question will be like, why? Why would you trust them? They are you at that age. Would you trust you at that age? And the answer is, no, I would not. But see, accusation doesn't get us anywhere. You're mean, you're terrible, you're selfish, all oh, you do is care about yourself. Why can't I have this? Would you think that that is a constructive way to get what you want and get what you need? The answer is no, by the way. Some of you look confused. What? Well, <laughs> oh, the answer is no. The domination, manipulation, accusation, these things don't work. The Bible tells us three ways to get our needs met. The first two you're going to instantly recognize. The third one may surprise you. The first way that you get your needs met is work. Imagine that. Work. God gave us the ability and the ambition to accomplish tasks necessary for survival and flourishing. If we don't work, we will suffer. One of the problems with Uh, The political systems of today is they will prop up able-bodied people not understanding that it doesn't just hurt society, it damages the person that's not working. I'm not talking about those that can't work and those that have legitimate problems. I'm talking about if you can work and you are not working and you're trying to get your needs met some other way, you are hurting yourself and the people around you. So the Bible says. Look at Proverbs chapter 20. Hold your place here. We'll look at a few scriptures just as we go along in our introduction. Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 4 talks about the sluggard. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. So the sluggard basically always has a reason, right? Uh, And here the example reason is, hey, it's too too cold to go out and plow the field. It's too cold to go out and plant. Well, what happens? The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore he shall get a preloaded card. Oh, is that what it says? The sluggard shall not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, he shall get a cell phone. No. 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 The sluggard shall not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, shall he beg in harvest and have what? Nothing. Nothing. You one of the things that will make you a hard worker? You need to eat. You need a place to live. You need money. I never really learned how to work for myself until I became self-employed it's a different thing whenever you can't milk the clock and we do it sometimes we don't even know we're doing it but when you don't get paid until the job's done you'll work an all-nighter you don't get paid until the job's done you'll work when it's twenty you'll work outside when it's twenty below windchill how do you know I've done it family needed to eat you do crazy things work is one of the ways that God made us to get the things we need. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 10 says, "For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat." Notice it says would not work, it's a decision. If anyone says I'm just not going to work, then they're not going to eat. And even when we try to in our in our ministries, I have this conversation all the time with people How do you help the people that really need help without helping the people that shouldn't get help? That's the balance. I really want to help the people that need help, but I'm not interested in helping people that aren't interested in helping themselves. Does that make sense to you? That's how God feels about it, by the way. So number one is work. How do we get what we need? Number one is work. There are some things nothing, no amount of work can help you with. So what do you do? Number two way you get things is pray. You can work for it, but sometimes work doesn't get what you need, so then you pray for it. Prayer is God's requisition system. If we were in the army and you needed something, you would requisition what you needed. They would send it up the chain of command. It would get approved, and then they would ship that to you through a supply line. We're in the Lord's army. God's requisition system is prayer. And you've got direct access to the general. Matter of fact, he's your father. Hey, Dad. (laughs) You know, I need some things. And as long as you're asking for things that will continue the mission, he says, I'm going to give it to you. That's what it means, by the way, to pray in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name doesn't mean slap in Jesus' name on the end of whatever prayer you want. Lord, make me a millionaire in Jesus' name. Amen. That's not how that works. In Jesus' name is actually in the name of Jesus. I, re- I requisition this for Jesus' sake. It's for Him. It's for His cause. It's for His glory. God says those things always get approved. If it's in the will of God, God may have something bigger going on that we're not aware of. But prayer is God's requisition system. If you need something from the Lord, you can put in a formal request through prayer. And God loves to answer the prayers of his obedient children. Look at Proverbs chapter 15. If I could just get you to believe that God loves to answer your prayers, that would change how we pray, wouldn't it? Proverbs chapter fifty verse 8, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his what? Delight. Delight. Now what's harder? What costs more? Sacrificing an animal or saying a prayer? It's, it's a lot harder work to sacrifice an animal. But God says... You can sacrifice, you can give me your best, and if you're wicked, I won't receive it. But God says the prayer of my children, the prayer of the upright is my delight. God will faster answer the whispers of your heart than he will the sacrifices of people that don't belong to him. He loves to answer our prayer. And so how do we get what we need? Number one's work. Work all you can. Work, work to try to get what you need. Number two, prayer. Some things you can't work for. Some things you can't buy. You need to get them from God. But there's a third way to get what you need that I think is often overlooked. And that is give. Give. What? Give? Yes. Giving is one way we can get our needs met. It it sounds counterintuitive because it's like, no, no, pastor, you don't understand. I need, I'm trying to get. I can't give and get at the same time, and God says, no, that's exactly how you do it. You give to get. You don't get to get. You give, and then God gives to you. Do we have the faith to believe that the almighty God of heaven can use our generosity to provide for our needs? And the answer is not just yes, but absolutely. Let me show you Proverbs chapter 11. Let me show you two verses here in Proverbs of the many we could show you. Proverbs chapter 11. Look at verse 24. There is that scattereth and yet what? Now, wait a minute. This is someone who's giving, but yet they've got more left than they had before they started giving. But then he also says, And there is that withholdeth more than is meet or appropriate, but it tendeth to poverty. So here you have these two different situations. One keeps giving, and yet he's got more than he had when he started. And the other one keeps trying to get and hoard it, but it's never what it's supposed to be. And God says, you give to get. Look at Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto who? The Lord. So wait a minute. God says, if you see someone who's truly poor and you take care of that need, God says, I write it down as if you just made a loan to me. And then notice what it says, and that which he hath given, he, the Lord, will pay him again. God says, when you step in my name and you do things in my name, it's like you're making me a loan and I'm going to make sure that you get back what you gave and more. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Now, that doesn't make sense if you remove God from the equation. But if you add God to the equation, is the Almighty able to supernaturally take care of you in this way as you give? And the answer is yes. So now we're going to go back to Luke chapter 6, and I want to dissect these, these verses for you and show you something that's truly life-changing once you see it. So our text verse, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, let me give you five thoughts for the message today. Number one, we give to obey God's command. We give to obey God's command. What's the first verse, what's the first word of Luke chapter 6, verse 38? Give. Give. Now, if I just said give, is that a question? No. Is it a suggestion? No. It's an imperative. Give, in that sentence structure, is the understood subject of you. You give. So God says, hey, give. Give. Be a giver. Every Christian should be a giver. And we've preached entire sermons on that so that we understand that. God commands us to give. Look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and verse 35, the Apostle Paul here is talking to these folks. He's not going to get to see them anymore. It's his last time to see him. Verse 35, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It took me a lot of years to learn that, but I'll tell you, it's true. I have more fun giving than I do getting. Amen. I receive more joy giving than I do getting. That's not my natural state. Some of you naturally just—you came out of the womb. You're like, I love to give, and the rest of you're like, my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. You know, I was a Jimmy. Hey, you want to help me out? Praise God. God had to teach me after I got saved. God had to teach me. No, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And it really is. And once you get that, it it adds such a joy to life that you'll never get in getting. So Jesus is trying to teach us it's more blessed to give than to receive. So God says to give back to luke chapter 6 verse 38 what does it mean to give just so we're all on the same page webster's 1828 dictionary gives the primary definition of the word give as quote to bestow to confer to pass or transfer the title or property of a thing to another person without an equivalent or compensation so basically giving is i'm transferring something that belongs to me or it's in my possession I'm giving it to you, and you are not giving me adequate compensation. Right? That would be a purchase. If I give you something that's worth $20, and you give me $20, I didn't give it to you. You bought it from me. Right? But if I give you something that's worth $20, and it's yours, I us give it to you. That's a gift. So it really is giving without the thought of return. So basically, the whole idea of giving is, I'm giving you things that are meaningful to me, but I don't expect the same amount back from you. And that actually falls in line with God's love. The agape love of God is giving, ultimately you can boil it down to giving or taking care of the needs of another without thought of return, right? I'm going to give to you without thought of return. I'm not going to demand equal compensation. So this idea of giving goes down to the very nature of God because God is love. God is committed to caring for the needs of others without thought of return. And so he asks us to do the same. I want you to notice something interesting here as well. Probably this entire sermon, so far you've thought of money. But do you know that the verse doesn't say anything about money? Now, it's true for money. Why is it we always think of giving in terms of money? Notice the verse again, give and, what's the next word? It It shall be given unto you. Well, what's the it? And the it is whatever you decide to give. You decide the it. You give money. God says, okay, you're giving it, and this principle applies to you. What about if you give your time? God says, give your time, and your time shall be given unto you. What about love? Give love, and love shall be given unto you. You can put anything in the word it there and this is the power of the verse And this is where the almighty comes in he says i want you to understand you've got to think bigger than money you've got to think about the more important things in life give and it shall be given unto you we get to decide the it when we choose what to give so number one we give to obey god's command what do we give whatever we choose to give number two We give to be like God. We give to be like God. God is generous. He commands us to be generous as well. Now what's really interesting is the entire context of this verse has nothing to do with money. Although I believe the principle applies to money. Look at verse 36. Be ye therefore what? merciful as your father in heaven is merciful what's the it in this verse mercy. mercy give mercy and mercy shall be given unto you but why should we give mercy God says give mercy in order to be like your heavenly father if you want to be like God you've got to learn to give people mercy what's mercy mercy is not giving them what they deserve it's giving them some space someone fails someone doesn't come through someone doesn't reach the expectation but we're going to give mercy we give to be like god be therefore merciful as your father also is merciful i said number one we give to obey god's command number two we give to be like god number three give regardless of the response We're supposed to give regardless of whether we get anything back. In fact, we are supposed to give precious things to people knowing they're not going to give them back. You say, how do we know that? Look at verse 35. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love your enemies. Is it natural to love your enemies? No if you stop fighting with your enemy and say, look, I'm going to practice Christian love towards you, do they say, oh, okay, I'll do that too? No. They don't. God didn't just say love them in some abstract way. The verse says, but love your enemies and do good. They do bad, you do good. They're mean to you, you're kind to them. They say hurtful things, you don't respond in kind. He goes on to say, and then lend. By the way, if they need some money, give them some cash. To your enemies. Listen, friend, I've had people that have been upset at me, and sometimes you respond in Christian love, and it calms the situation down. But sometimes, no matter what you do, They're not going to respond in kind. Why? Because ultimately the problem was never me. It was in them. But God still says, love, do good. Matter of fact, if they need something, let them borrow yours. And then he goes a step further. Hoping for nothing again what's god saying you give what you're supposed to give regardless of the response why because it's right it's right matter of fact we won't take time to look at it romans chapter 12 says vengeance is mine saith the lord basically talking about stop trying to get vengeance on people stop trying to get revenge stop trying to make people pay for their what they've done to you Give place under wrath. You give your wrath to God. God will make sure it all ends up the way it's supposed to be. But then he says, matter of fact, if you want to heap coals of fire on their head, be good to them. You really want to get your enemies back? As sincerely as possible, be like Jesus toward them. And God says, oh, now you got my attention and they're not going to treat you like that and get away with it it's counterintuitive isn't it that's whenever you let God come in See, this is a focus on God it's not man focused me trying to get what I need it's looking to God I'm going to work and try to fulfill my responsibilities but I've only got so many hours in a day and there's some things money can't buy I'm going to pray but some things don't come through prayer so God says give number one give to obey God's command number two give to be like God number three give regardless of response number four give and God will give you more in return I love this verse do we have any bakers in the room anybody like to bake uh I've done a little bit of baking, and I've done a whole lot of eating and uh you're gonna eat might as well learn to cook amen I love brown sugar. Anybody like brown sugar? I mean, I just, in oatmeal, in my mouth, I mean, I just love brown sugar. It's just good stuff. But you know one thing I love about brown sugar? Is you can really pack that stuff in there. You get a cup of sugar, and you get a cup of sugar. You know, you can try to push it down in there and shake it around and overflowing, but it's only going to do its thing. Man, you take that brown sugar. There's a big difference in a cup of brown sugar just poured in there and a cup of brown sugar that's been massaged. Right? Look what God says Give and it shall be given to you. What's the it? You decide. But notice, God's going to give back to you good measure. That means He's going to fill it up, press down. Then think about this think about like a cup measuring, a measuring cup full of brown sugar. He's going to fill it up overflowing, good measure. And then he's going to push it down in there. And then he's going to shake it around and push it down. And then he's going to fill it up again where it's running over the sides. So What God says is, you give me a cup of sugar, and I'll give you more than a cup back. Give, and God will give you more in return. You cannot outgive God. What's even more fascinating is God allows you to decide the measurement. You know what's better than a cup of brown sugar? A quart of brown sugar. You know what's better than a quart of brown sugar? A gallon of brown sugar. You know what's better than a gallon of brown sugar? 50-pound bag of brown sugar. I think my sugar just went up talking about it. this. <laughs> better, better uh, get that checked out. Here's what God says: You give a teaspoon of mercy. I'm going to use that teaspoon. I'll make sure you get back more, but the the measure is the teaspoon. Oh, you give a cup of mercy. I'm going to use that cup. I'll make sure you get more, but you chose the cup. God says you give a gallon of mercy. Now I'm going to use a gallon, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You use a five-gallon bucket. I'm going to use the five-gallon bucket. God says, I not only allow you to choose the it that you're going to give, I allow you to choose the measurement upon which I base your blessing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God a good God? Here's what we do. We give a teaspoon of patience, and we want a gallon in return. And God says, you chose the teaspoon. We want a cup of forgiveness. We want to give a cup, but we want a five gallon bucket in return. And God says, No, you chose the measurement. So look at the verse again. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over. Look what it says. Shall men give into your bosom? You know, usually God moves people to fill the needs of others. I've never had money fall to me out of the sky, but I've had God move on the hearts of people to be generous. I've never just had these kind words be spoken from heaven of encouragement when I'm discouraged, but God will send someone along to encourage me when I'm discouraged. See, God uses people. This is thrilling because that means God might use me. Watch how this works. It's a beautiful circle. God moves on my heart to encourage somebody, and I give them a cup full of encouragement. And then God says, oh, you encourage them. I'm going to move on somebody else to give you more than a cup of encouragement. See how that works? And it's a beautiful cycle. Let me finish with this last one. We said, number one, give to obey God's command. Number two, give to be like God. Number three, give regardless of response. Number four, give and God will give you more in, refer- in return. Here's the basic crux of the message today. Number five, give what you hope to receive. Or you could say, give what you need. So don't miss this truth one of the ways which God supplies our needs is in response to our generosity now let me make an important statement here don't give as a manipulation tactic that's not what I'm talking about I'm not talking about being subtle and having designs and there is something called the law of reciprocity and and salesmen know this and sometimes manipulative people know this, if you give someone something, there is a God-given instinct in us that we owe them something back. So some salesmen and manipulative people will give you something small trying to trigger that reciprocity and then try to take something more from you. That's not what I'm talking about. That's manipulative. What I'm talking about is you give in faith knowing that God's word is true and that God will supply your need through your giving. You see the difference? One is carnal manipulation. The other is an act of faith. God will supernaturally ensure that you receive what you give. Wait a minute. Whether it's good or bad. Give anger, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give in your bosom. Give judgment, and judgment will be given to you. Give meanness, and meanness will be given to you. Let me show you this in the scriptures real quick. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We find this concept all throughout the scripture. I'll show you a few thoughts of it here. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 7. We're going to move quickly here. Matthew 5, 7, these are one of the Beatitudes. Let's read it together, Matthew 5, 7, ready? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Do you see it? God says, hey, those that give mercy, get mercy. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Look at verse 34. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but giveth grace to the lonely. Who's a scorner? A scorner is someone who's not just judgmental, but they're so lifted up with pride they condemn everyone around them. They've lifted themselves up like judge and jury. Here's what you did. Here's what you deserve. Here's what you did. Here's what you deserve. And scorners are one of the the lowest levels of of sin in the book of proverbs where someone gets so negative they're just they're, they're just so negative so judgmental and god says i have scorn prepared for scorners give scorn and scorn shall be given unto you let's look at another one proverbs chapter 18 Proverbs chapter 18. Look at verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself what? Friendly. 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 You say, well, I just, I've given this advice for people for 30 years. Well, I just don't have any friends. Stop trying to get someone to be your friend, and you go out and be someone else's friend. Give friendship, and friendship shall be given unto you. You seeing it? You seeing how this works? We get to decide the it. Look back at Luke chapter 6. And it's right here in the context of our text verse. Our text verse, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Look back at Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned forgive and ye shall not be forgiven now read the verse give and it shall be given unto you you see the three it's in that verse are judgment condemnation and forgiveness you see the power of this so what happens is you can look at what you need in your own life and make an by an act of faith say god I need more friendship in my life so by faith I'm going to go give people friendship, trusting you to bring friendship back to me. And what's interesting is it doesn't always come through the people and places you thought it would. Usually it doesn't. And if you give with a manipulative spirit well I was your friend, why aren't you my friend? If that's your reaction then you you need to your heart because you're really giving not for the response, but for His response. I'm not being kind to you for your response. I'm being kind to you for His response. I'm not being merciful for you as much as I'm being merciful for Him. God sees it and God gives. Now think about this as we come full circle and end the message to what we said in the beginning. There are seven areas that we need to get our needs met. If I were to ask you right now, and there's everybody in the room is needing something. Everybody is needing something. If I were to ask you right now in your heart of hearts and just answer to your own heart, what is it that you wish, you wish someone was giving you? I mean, you wish they were giving you the love that you give them. You wish they understood you like you understood them. You wish they could build you up like you try to encourage them. You wish, what is it that you are feeling the lack of right now it might be seriously money i don't recommend you do this it's not in the bible but i believe it honors this principle i have for 30 years if i need more money i will start tithing on the money i hope to get from god if i need 300 more a month i will start tithing 30 dollars extra a month that may not work for you. It has for me. Not always when I wanted it, not always when I needed it. And sometimes I'm like, months, like, hey, God, you notice know this and why? <laughs> hey God, you know, we... But it all works out. It, it might be some physical need. It might be something mental. Do you need confidence? Do you wish you had confidence? How about you go out and give someone else confidence? Find someone you can build up. Find someone you can believe in. One of my preachers used to say, believe in people. They will love you for it. And I found that to be true. I was counseling with a marriage recently, and I said, it's not uncommon for me to work harder to save your marriage in the beginning than you are. It's not uncommon for me to want your marriage to survive more than you do. But stick with me, because you'll get there too got to believe in people don't just allow oh, they'll never be anything they'll never they'll never be anything you know what's coming your way somebody's gonna tell you they will never be anything you're good for nothing what are you trying to do oh you think you're all that do we give patience well I just wish people were more patient how about giving people patience you need more wisdom give people the wisdom you have and God will give you more wisdom. Do you need peace? How about trying to give someone else peace? You need joy? Try to make someone else joyful. You need some love? Go love someone else. Do you need grace? Go be gracious for someone else. You want to win your own family to Christ, but they won't listen? Go win someone else's dad. Go win someone else's mom. Go win someone else's brother or sister. You need friendship? Be a friend. You need mercy? Give mercy. You need forgiveness? Forgive. You, you can't find your own purpose? Help someone else find theirs. It really is. It's like an algebra equation. God says, you decide what the X is. X times this equals a lot more than X was originally. God says, I. this is how I work. This is how I've set up the world to function. This is how the supernatural world operates. And when you believe it, it unlocks A world of possibility. Because then we stop having the pity party about not getting what we need. And we identify, Lord, I need need this in my life. And I've I've worked for it. I've prayed for it. I don't know how else to get it. So I'm going to do everything I can to give it to somebody else. And what you'll find along the way is sometimes you won't even notice that you've received the help you wanted all along because you're so busy giving it to other people. Isn't that cool? I love that. We all have needs. We can work, we can pray. I think an overlooked method of getting what you need is giving it to someone else, trusting God to give it back to you. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, good verse for you to memorize. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we've been able to look at in your word today. We all have needs. We all have frustrations. Sometimes the people that should be supplying what we need just aren't. Help us not to be demanding or manipulative or accusatory. Help us to learn this wonderful truth we give.